Pastor Jim Newsom, and this is Truth in the Word on Christian Survival Radio. It's the 15th day of April 2019. We're broadcasting to you today from North Central West Virginia. We're going to continue on today in our study in the book of Ephesians. Last time in chapter 4, we talked about the walk, the unity of the Spirit, the walk that Jesus Christ has provided and uh, commanded, actually, that we that we walk in the provision that was made that man might be reconciled back to God only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about the gift of Christ, which is going to be mentioned in verse 7. The gift of Christ. Now, uh, the, the, the Word of God declares probably the first scripture you ever learned in your life was John 3.16. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But before we get into the bulk of the word, let us pray. Father, we ask you to bless your word. You said it won't come back for you. But it'll do that which you sent it to do. And Lord, you're the teacher. The Holy Spirit teaches and leads and guides. And we ask you, Lord, that you do that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, speaking of the gift of God. Uh, but unto every one of us is given grace, 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 according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Jesus was God's gift to the world, uh, We've pointed out many times in this broadcast the only way to be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to have communion with God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to be one with the Father is to be through Jesus Christ. One mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. He came as a man lived for 33 and a half years, never sinned, uh, was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice of God, reconciled man to God, bought and paid for every sin that we've ever committed or ever will commit, and covered through his blood a multitude of sins. I've said it many times that man's problem is not economical or uh, whatever it might be, but man's problem has always been sin. That's our struggle, is sin. The Bible points out that we were born under the fall, under a sin nature. We have within us the capacity to sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, 
when we accept Jesus Christ, sin should bother us. There should be a pressing to stay away from and not commit sin. Although we're not going to be perfect by no means. But the book of Romans tells us that sin shall not have dominion over you. Or the sin nature, that which is uh, in us, so to speak. That through Jesus Christ, we have power over sin. Only through him. Not on ourself, uh, not in ourself. Uh, we can't will it to be done. There's just nothing we can do. It's in him. It's in Christ. It's in the blood. Because the blood covers a multitude of sins. And he gives us the power to strive towards overcoming sin. He, the Word of God says he told Abraham to walk before me and be thou perfect. Was Abraham perfect? No. But he believed God. He believed God. He didn't uh, stay where he was at. And the Bible says when Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him as righteousness. Okay, verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up, up on high, he led captivity. What? Captive. And gave gifts to men. There's that word gifts again. There's that word gift. There again. Pointing to the fact that we cannot earn this on our own. There's nothing you can do. There's not enough penance you can do. There's not enough religious activities that you can do. Now, when we are saved, we're going to have works, yes. But our works, by no means, will ever, ever save us. So the scripture says, Where he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity, or a multitude of captives, captive and gave gifts to man now this points towards when he was in the grave for three days the bible declares he 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 uh descended to the lower parts of the earth to sheol where the bible declares you can read this in in luke the story of the rich man and the beggar lazarus and that there was two separate places there. And there was a great gulf that separated the paradise side from the burning side. So he went down and liberated the souls that were on the paradise side, who, who believed when they died that there was a, a, a Messiah coming, who, who believed in Jesus Christ when they died. Abraham the Bible declares long to see his day. He told the Pharisees, he said, Before Abraham was, I am. Of course, they got upset. They said, well, you're too young, whatever it might be. They had no inkling who Christ was. But Abraham saw Christ and longed for his day. So this is... Uh, very important, this act that he did, that he, um, after the cross, after he gave his life, after he resurrected, then man or mankind never descended into paradise anymore. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, these ones that died, they were believers. 
but they were held captive for save by Satan because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away or pay the sin debt. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the sin debt was paid. And he makes all these his captives now. And that's not in a bad sense. Uh, I'd much rather be a captive of the Lord than a captive of the devil. I'd much rather be a bond servant. Because nobody's neutral in this thing. You're going to serve something or somebody. Choose you this day, the Bible says, whom you will serve, who you give yourself to. In the book of Psalms, 68, verse 18, Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among you. Notice the last part of the scripture, for the rebellious also. For salvation is universal, it's just a matter of choice. What do men choose? How do they choose? Which direction do they go? Psalm 16.10 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Matthew 12.20 states, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is uh, when they asked for a sign. And he said, No sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So he wasn't just laying in the tomb. Of course, he was active. His, uh, his spirit went down into the lower parts of the earth and set those on the paradise side free. Now, you can read the example in the book of Luke, I think around chapter 16, but where the rich man died and lived up to in torment. He was on the other side. He was on the burning side, okay? But after Jesus gave his life on the cross, he uh, did what the blood of bulls and goats could never, ever do. Verse 9. Now he ascended, but is but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. This is the form of a question. Verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill or fulfill all things. So, immediately before his ascension to glory, uh, he first went down to paradise to deliver all the believing souls in that region, which he did. The Bible declares that he did. He did this in total triumph, in total mastery. All power has been given unto him. The Bible declares in heaven, on earth, and things below the earth. He has dominion and power over all things. All things were made by him and for him. So he asked the question, before he ascended, did he descend to the lower parts of the earth? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay, verse 10 again, that he that descended is the same also that ascended, listen, far above all heavens, that he might fulfill what? All things. This is this is him being portrayed as Jesus, the deliverer, the mediator, the Lamb of God. When he bowed his head and said, It is finished, it was finished. Salvation was purchased. Healing was paid for. Deliverance was paid for. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing 
but the blood of Jesus. John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Ephesians 1, 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. In other words, everything was fulfilled. That which was prophesied in the Old Testament come to pass in the New Testament because Jesus was in the Old in types and shadows and things of this nature. He was from the beginning and beginning God, Elohim. He's the, he's the second person of the Trinity. He's the son of the living God. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. The great high priest, the only high priest that sat down, sat down because the work was finished. The high priest under the old economy never sat down. They went once a year behind the veil to offer sacrifices. Never sat Never said, but Jesus went once behind the veil, put his blood on the mercy seat, and made atonement for me and for you. The Bible declares he uh, put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, in heaven. So there again, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For we have a great high priest, Passing through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Mediator, advocate, go-between, lawyer, if you want to use that term, High priest, touched with our infirmities, all made possible by what he did at the cross 2,000 years ago. The gifts that he's given unto men. Okay, verse 11, he goes into uh, the giftings in the church, the offices, the five fold ministry. And he gave some apostles some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Apostles is a delicate, working miraculous powers, messengers that are sent to preach the gospel, establishing churches. Paul was an apostle. A lot of controversy today. A lot believe that, that this office has passed by the wayside, but I stand on this premise that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that that which is written in these epistles stands also in the modern-day church. So apostles uh, serve as a de facto leader of the church, and they do through a uh, message given them by the Lord for the church. What is, what is the message given to the church today? Hebrews chapter 1, for sundry times or different time, different uh, drops in time, that God spoke through the prophets. That God spoke, spoke through the leaders at that time. But now, he speaks through Jesus Christ. The church is all about Jesus Christ. He purchased the church with his own blood. 
So is this gift alive and well? I believe it is, yes. Okay. Prophets, is this gift alive and well? I believe it is. Okay. If prophets are a foreteller, by analogy, an inspired speaker, a prophet, one who foretells the future, not, not soothsayer, one who moves through the gifts of the Spirit, through the word of knowledge or discernment, whatever it might be, one who tells future events for the glory of God. Is there an office of the prophet today? Yes, yes. Uh, I'll say this. I don't believe everybody that calls himself a prophet is a prophet. But that's there again, that's for God to decide. For man, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inner part of a man. And the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So, yes, I believe this office is alive and well today. Now, many prophesy, but the Bible declares in the day in which we live, there will be many false prophets. So how do we know who's true and who's right? First of all, if it comes to pass. Now, that doesn't mean overnight, doesn't mean in a week period, but eventually some, uh, a, lot, a lot of prophets in the Old Testament, they died before the prophecies ever come to pass. They died believing that what they told was the truth. And in today's economy, under the New Testament, then we gauge prophets by the Word of God. If they prophesy outside of the Word of God and speak something concerning maybe they'll say a new revelation that's not really in the Bible, then I would beware. Because God will always confirm His Word out of the mouths of two or three. Okay, the third office, or the, the third part of the fivefold, evangelists, a preacher of the gospel, those that go from area to area to gather the harvest in, a bringer of glad tidings. Is the evangelistic office operating today? Yes, I believe that it is. Pastors, okay, pastors, the beloved pastors, uh, no, a shepherd, simply a shepherd, one that cares and watches for the sheep. John 10, for Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one that leaves the 99 to, do, to go get the one. We've heard the saying or the word spoken, this individual has a pastor's heart or a shepherd's heart. In other words, he cares for the people. He cares about the people. He prays for his people. So the, the, the pastors or the shepherds are so important today. And they definitely are part of the fivefold ministry and are definitely needed today. Amen. Pastors are very, very important uh, for people to have somebody to go to, have somebody that they can trust. That's why it, it's so important. It's so important that pastors take their calling serious. Uh, it's just not about them. Because if something happens in their life, it affects their congregation, it affects people around and about them. This, uh, when we're serving God, and if we'd happen to fail, there's always a domino effect in our lives. You know, not only do we fall, but it hits somebody else. So... Um, 
we need to do the best we can to walk before God the way He wants us to. And um, and our pastor is perfect, of course not. Of course, pastors are not perfect. But I believe that they they need to have the heart of God, the mind of God, and allow the Holy Spirit to operate and control their church. Amen. Give the Holy Spirit his due diligence. All right. Okay, the last one is teachers. Do we need good teachers today, of course? Is this office effective and uh, uh, alive today? Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's the last part of the five-fold ministry, but it's, it's just as important as any of the other ones because the teacher is an instructor who should be led by the Holy Spirit when they teach. Uh, the word doctor, master, teacher. But they're, um, it's a special ministry to teach the Word, Word of God, to the children of God, uncompromised, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So the fivefold ministry that Paul points out here, all provided and under the full operation and the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this was provided by the gift of God, which is Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, verse uh, 12. So this fivefold ministry, he says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the fivefold ministry for? Perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, or for the upbuilding of, with the spiritual upbuilding of the church. That a church should always be progressive in the spirit. That a church should always be growing spiritually. Not so much in number all the time, but certainly spiritually. That we may grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 7, 4 says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And fruit comes from the speaking of the word. One plants and one waters, but God brings the increase. Verse 14, Ephesians 4, Till we all come into the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This shows the progressiveness of how the fivefold ministry operates in the church and what should be the fruit of that fivefold ministry that we come to a measure, a measure in the fullness of Christ. And that can only be obtained, of course, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. He's the gift giver. So one plants, one waters, but God brings the increase. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. God, who has sundered times and divers manners, spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, this is a starting point for the unity of the faith that our faith is in. The message for today is Jesus Christ. The message for the day is the law fulfilled. Now, we can't keep the law in ourselves. 
but the law has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, listen, and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That slate means to be fraud, the cunningness of men, the deceitfulness of men. It says here that we are not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And it goes on to point out that most of the time these wind of doctrines come from men establishing their own righteousness. Hebrews 13.9 says, But be not carried about divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which are not profitable them that have been occupied therein. 2 Corinthians 4.10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So we are no longer children tossed to and fro. See, the operation in the body of Christ is one body, one Lord. One baptism. The nine spiritual gifts are set for the edification of the body. The fivefold ministry is also set for the edification and the building up of the body, but all given through the Holy Spirit. These gifts are not separate. Men, men do not uh, conjure these things up. They're not about men. They're about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're about His gifts that he gave unto us about what he did at the cross 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says he's the head of the church. So if he's the head of the church, then he certainly wants the church to operate in a manner that they be fruitful, that they be fruitful and build up. Verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him, into him, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Who's the head? Christ. Where do gifts come from? Christ. Gifts come from the Father of lights, the Bible declares. And the gift to the church and to everyone is Jesus Christ. Just a matter whether we choose or whether we don't choose. Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are completed him which is the head of all principality and power. There again, pointing to him as the head. As the head. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost that will lead you and guide you to all of my truth and all of my righteousness. So the Holy Ghost should be given preeminence in the house of God. He should be allowed to operate in the house of God. So how do you tell? Because he does all things in decency and in order. He'll never bring confusion, for God's not the author of confusion. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitted, joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Simply speaking of unity, that everything works together to complement, to edify, to teach, to lead, to guide, that all the good gifts 
come from God. The Bible says he gave gifts unto men. So he's provided through his death, through his resurrection, his ascension, the church, the ecclesia of the called out ones, who we should be operating to full capacity, amen, according to what the word of God says. Everything that he wants for us, we should have. Now, of course, we know the enemy comes against us and things happen and people and flesh gets in the way so many times, but it's God's plan. I know the thoughts I have towards you, he says. And he says, I will have a church without spot and without wrinkle. And upon this rock, I've built my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which I have purchased with my own blood. Paul wrote to the church of Colossus, Colossians 2, 2, that their hearts might be comforted, and listen, being knit together in love, and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. This is this is the plan and the, what what Christ wants for the church, that their hearts be comforted, that they be knit together in love, or there be unity in the body, that we might know all the riches and have the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Paul talked a lot about mystery. Mystery. Boy, he showed me a mystery. In other words, it's something people didn't know before, but now, through Jesus Christ, we see the mystery of the plan of God and how God planned to reconcile man back to himself from the foundations of the world, and that plan was through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the gift of God, the gift of God is Jesus Christ. And the church should be operating under those gifts, plural, should be moving in the Holy Spirit. As I said before, the Holy Spirit should have preeminence in the house of God and should be allowed to do what he wants. I'm not talking about wildfire, but I'm talking about every time the Holy Ghost moves, there'll be fruit. There'll be fruit of his moving. Because the Holy Spirit is God, and he knows more than any individual knows. And we we allow him to move in our midst. He does all things in decency and in order. Listen to me now. He never embarrasses. He's a gentleman. And if there's confusion, confusion does not come from the Holy Spirit. There's so much controversy today over tongues and interpretation. But Paul laid it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. You, you can read all those. There are operations of how the Spirit should move in the house of God. There's a heavenly language. There's the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. The Holy Spirit will not, if he's allowed to move properly. He's a gentleman. He won't force it. If he's allowed to move properly, he will not bring confusion. Amen. He will not bring confusion. For people say, well, when this is allowed to move, that's allowed to move, there's confusion. Well, that wasn't God. Confusion never comes from God. He wants things to be clear. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all of my truth and all of my righteousness. 
He'll comfort you. He'll teach you. He'll be around and about you. He'll unction you. He'll deal with you in our personal lives as well in the body. Amen. He's also a gift. I must go, and I will send you one back. Paul said, not Paul, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me, whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to even unlatch it. He said, who shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Yes, power comes through that, but teaching, clarity comes through the body of Christ, fruit will be uh, bared up in the house of God. And we'll see the the end result of fruit. We'll see the gifts of God operating and the body of Christ being edified, people being saved, healed, delivered, and set free. And signs and wonders shall follow those that believe. But it will never be under confusion. As I said before, God is not the author of confusion. Amen. We talk about the office of pastors. Pastors need to get alone in their prayer closets and seek for the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament apostles, the New Testament church did nothing until they sought God. Giving yourself over to prayer and supplication, the word of God says, allowing the Holy Spirit to have preeminence and move in the house of God, because he knows best. He knows every individual. He knows what's in the heart of men and women. He knows exactly what people are going through, and the Holy Ghost will minister accordingly if we allow him to do so. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, the Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God Almighty raised him from the dead. Call upon his name today. Oh, how we need him. Call upon his name today. And the Bible said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered and shall be set free. By his stripes you're healed. He was chastised for your peace of mind and bruised for your iniquity. He paid it all. We talked today about the gift of God, and the gift of God is Jesus Christ. Amen. And through him, all things are possible. All things were done. Through him, everything is complete. The, Bible, the word of God says he has power and dominion. It was given dominion and power, all things in heaven, all things in earth and all things below the earth. And the Bible clearly states that someday he will rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron and the scepter shall not depart from the tribe of Judah. But he'll give us power to live today. He'll give us strength because we're weak. And the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. There's nothing impossible with God. Whatever you're going through today, call upon his name. And the Bible says he will not turn away, but he will help you. If you come to him with a broken and a contrite spirit today, he'll help you according to the word of God. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your gift, which is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago. We thank you that you made a way where there is no way. And we ask you today to touch and heal and deliver, bring salvation to entire families, Bring healing, Lord, to the sick today. Touch those chronic illnesses today and forever make them whole. We ask you today, Lord, to set free and deliver. Lord, break addictions today. Touch lives. Lord, touch those today that are oppressed and depressed. Lord, you said, Lord, 
my Lord, you, that you give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We ask you today, Lord, to break that bondage in, in, in all of our lives today, God. We ask you, Lord, that you take preeminence in the house of God, that your Holy Spirit would do what needs to be done, and we would yield unto what you want. According to the word of God, you always operate inside your word. You never, you never walk outside of it because it's inspired, and you are the living word. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless till next time. This has been Truth in the Word with Pastor Jim Newsom on Christian Survival Radio. Our email address is truthintheword777 at gmail.com. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up for Jesus is coming soon.